Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, which is a show where we try to cover the news from the past couple of weeks in the gaming industry, games-related everything, basically. We try to get across the internet, get all of the relevant, interesting information, and digest it before we serve it back to our little birds that just hatched. You're the birds in that Terrible, terrible metaphors, dear listeners. Um, thankfully, I have with me Ed, who is uh, going to try and stop me from making uh, just those kinds of uh, comparisons in the future of this episode. How's it going, Ed? It's going well, but I wouldn't bet on too much on me not, let, not <laughs> like preventing you from making terrible jokes because I'm a fan of those. So, ah, oh, thank you. So basically, you're enabling me. That's that's terrible, yeah. but I'm happy about it. Um, so Ed, you're from the Four Players Network. Uh, you're you're usually in the background doing all the web stuff, and yeah. uh, you're on the show here and there. But uh, you're going to be full front and center today. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Cool. Uh, we have a pretty interesting show today. I, I'm refraining myself from making Destiny's expansion <laughs> the center of the entire show because I'm enjoying it so much. Um, yeah, I heard they, they've finally given the opportunity. They have the time to explain now, right? Isn't that how, <laughs> how it works? <laughs> Basically, yes. Now there are some things that do make sense. It's pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, it's we're, we're going to get to that. And I have a whole lot of notes and but i understand that this is you know not uh, uh this is sort of a personal thing that i'm in love with destiny so much um and there are some actual news from tokyo game show if you're into that there are uh, we want to talk about the apple tv and the implications it might have for the uh gaming scene and uh there's news about uh, nintendo that now has a new president we'll try and tell you who that guy is and what it means for nintendo and so uh, what it means for the games industry in general um but first tokyo game show It's a, a pretty massive event. Uh, it's every year, you know, it's the uh, equivalent of, I would say, because of the, the, the place of Japan in the gaming industry, it's probably third behind E3 and Gamescom in terms of importance. It doesn't make at, as much noise for us here in the West, but certainly um, for those who enjoy Japanese games and, and Jap Japan, even though it's not as big as it used to be, um, is a pretty big player in the gaming industry. So these things happen there at the Tokyo Game Show. Um, they have 
had a pretty good showing this time. It's 250,000 people showed up. Uh, that's up from last year. But one thing I wanted to point out numbers-wise is um, the number of mobile games that were presented. Um, I, I don't know if you've looked at the notes already, Ed, but if you had to guess, well, if you have looked at the notes, yeah, you know. I'm but looking uh, at it right now. So, <laughs> Darn it! 250 uh, iOS and Android games there. Yeah, that's 250 iOS and Android games. And some of you are probably thinking, well, that's not such a big deal. Well, the, the other console that is definitely on the rise and the biggest uh, player in Japan now was the PS4 with just 100 games. So that yep. is pretty That doesn't massive. really surprise me that much because uh, Japan is, is known for being heavy in the mobile gaming um, yeah. department rather than the real console game. I know the uh thing we'll probably get to a little bit later but the ps4 price drop that they that they did is in direct um is directly to address the fact that not a lot of J japanese gamers buy big expensive consoles yeah they're it's, doing all their gaming on on their phones it definitely the like mobile gaming has taken up everywhere but uh i think the place where it's become the most popular is probably japan everyone is now playing on their phone and uh it might be you know somewhat slightly silly games like uh um puzzle and dragons and things like that but it's more game centric than probably the games we see here in the west like mm -hmm. uh candy crush saga so it is more serious gaming uh like core gaming on mobile right. phones but uh yeah definitely people are really getting into more into smartphone games than they are in in the west and you're right the playstation price drop um let's get into it now it was uh, introduced at the playstation conference um which was a couple of days before uh the tokyo game show started and it was it was it was cool it was okay it was non-stop games 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 and still, because of the Japanese uh, uh, style, it was kind of sleep-inducing. But uh, you know, which is interesting because they they purposely skipped Gamescom. Microsoft, the big showing at Gamescom this year, and Sony purposely skipped it. And I I'd always assumed that they were going to have a big show at, at the Tokyo Game Show, but they really didn't announce anything that like new software or anything that's coming out this fall i think no there well it would be too late to announce something for yeah. this fall i'm sure but i think that it's really what we're seeing is what we're getting which is you know games are going to come early 2016 and mm -hmm. that's what it is uh or early ish 2016 um yeah. but yeah I, I guess the there were uh, uh the one big news was the price drop of the playstation which is uh dropping from forty thousand yen to 30 35,000 yen. Um, so it was already kind of cheaper. Uh, I can't remember the the exact amount that 40,000 yen is. So this this article that I'm looking at right now says that it went from about 292. Um, it, the new price is about $292 right. and 258 euros. Right. So it used to be uh, $330 or so, depending on the rate, of course. Yeah. So it was already kind of cheaper in Japan uh, than it is in the West, and they're making it even cheaper. So that sh tells you. Now, of course, the popularity of the PlayStation 3 uh, and the lack of 
games that appeal to Japanese uh, consumers explain some of this, but still, uh, it, the PlayStation is certainly suffering from uh, a lack of interest in the Japanese, uh, the PlayStation 4, in the Japanese public. And I'm guessing smartphones have to do, have something to do with it. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was that PlayStation Now is launching in Japan with the same, you know, three months, one month, uh, one month um, subscription options. And there is a new one, which is renting a game for 200 yen. So 200 yen is about, what, a buck and a half, um, something like that, under two bucks, basically. And you can rent the game. They, I, I didn't manage to see how long you could play it. I'm guessing 24 hours, probably. Yeah, But yeah. that's a price that I could, you know, I could get on with. Um, I know it's in, in the West, uh, I mean, in the US, PlayStation Now is the cheapest price is for like one hour or four hours, something ridiculous. Um, if it was for a full day, that's the only price they mentioned. So if it's for a full day, I could, I could see that working. Yeah, I mean, the, the cheapest thing that I could find is their one month plan for $20 over here. But yeah. I'm a, I couldn't... <laughs> I can't find something that talks about just like a single game. Yeah, well, yeah, they do have those, but uh, yeah, it's it's very expensive um, right, right. in the U.S. the 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 cheapest one is actually the three months, which brings it down to about fifteen bucks a month if you go yeah, for right. three months. Yeah, but yeah. um, yeah, but you then you have to pay for the three months. So I obviously. mean, I'm not, I'm not a I'm not a user of PlayStation now simply because like I don't really understand the 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 point of of having it well that being said i have a playstation 3 and a playstation 4 so right. um i get my kind of backwards compatibility there by switching the input of my tv not really booting <laughs> up another another thing yeah i think i think there is some interest but the price is still a little bit too high and also you don't have playstation 4 games on there i think somewhere down the line they're working on it uh, you know they're working on the the service and i think down the line in in a couple of years it might be uh cheap enough with enough games that it's actually going to be interesting i we're probably not there yet yeah except if you like you know there are there are a few good games if you skipped playstation 3 uh honestly there are good games that are available you know they have the uncharted series they have a bunch of games maybe you know um it's worth looking at if you're if you're a big gamer and you're in a lull obviously it's not the case now we're <laughs> having lots of things to play at the moment so um yeah <laughs> um and the other thing was that uh, project morpheus is now officially called playstation vr uh and it's they mentioned it was going to be the price of a new system well not a new system but it's a new platform so i'm guessing it's not going to be less than 250 bucks maybe as high as 350 Um, yeah, it's not going to be. Cheap. I actually got a chance to play with the, I guess, PlayStation VR when I was at PAX, um, and it was cool. I mean, the the light tracking that they had going uh, with it was was really really easy, really smooth, and I, I didn't feel motion sick at all uh, using it, which is surprising considering the game that I was playing required me like move my head back and forth a lot. Um, which when I was messing with the the oculus rift I, i did get a little mo motion sick at, um um a couple of years ago so that's good that it's it's less mm. than that i haven't i haven't gotten a chance to really play with a an oculus that had um the newest oculus uh firmware and version so that yeah, i the really latest SDK. with me moving my head around at least 
Mm. So that's that's the big the big thing I think if they manage all of them if they manage to to make it not puke inducing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, put that as a feature on the box will not make you puke. <laughs> um, I think there's there's that's the biggest the most important thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to trying it as well, but we'll see. Um, and then they started announcing the games, 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 games. Yes. And uh, <laughs> they opened with Bloodborne. Uh, there's an expansion coming on November 24. Uh, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. So you're Bloodborne. Yeah, I was, a, I had, I checked a couple weeks ago and I have like 120 hours or something like that in Bloodborne. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I, I loved Bloodborne. It, it was actually my first souls like game that I played. Um, and talking about it with the other guys on the on the site, the it's kind of like a a simpler version of the Dark Souls like mythos, but has um like the, as far as the systems are concerned, but it, it still has that same like real visceral feel of the the combat and, and the forcefulness of it. Um, but they did say that this is like two supposed to be two story DLCs that they kind of merged into one. Um, so it's supposed to yeah, be, yeah, it was supposed to be uh, two DLCs and then they, yeah, they made it one. So, yeah, so it's, I mean, it sounds like it's a, it's a pretty big, um, new couple maps and stuff like that. So it, it'll be a, a good, good amount of like maybe a 10 hour experience or something like that. I didn't, uh, you know, I'm not big into Bloodborne, uh, to mm-hmm. say the least, but um, I, I didn't check. The, I heard there were, like, are there new systems, new new weapons, new things, yeah, or is it just, like, more new weapons. Maps? They're, they're, they, showed a, they showed a bow in the trailer, which they didn't really show off, like, that other than firing a single arrow, so there wasn't much there. There was this really awesome, like, um, thing that you, like, had, like, a... a holding like a wooden pole and then you stuck it on the back and you pulled off a big um like spinning blade that constantly spun as you used it so um (laughs) definitely definitely some new new awesome looking weapons so i'm looking forward to that okay that's cool that that you know all more power to the people who like bloodborne it's not for me but november 24th is going to be a uh happy day for all of the masochistic uh listeners among you (laughs) Um, another thing that did uh, a lot of noise was uh, Gravity Gravity Days Two. Um, uh-huh. For those who don't know, Gravity Days or Gravity Rush, as it's known in the West, it was probably the most celebrated title on the PS Vita, and right. people love it. Like there is, it has a kind of a cult following. I tried it on my Vita, and I didn't. Hmm. It was okay. Um, I didn't play enough to get really into it. Maybe I should revisit it. Um, a, a remastered version is going to be coming out on PS4 of the first one. And then in 2016, there's going to be the second one. Um, I was hearing you uh, approving. Have you have you played Gravity yeah, Days? So Gravity, Gravity Rush is yeah. what it was called in the US. So it was on PlayStation Plus on the Vita for like three or four months. Um, and, and I downloaded it and I played a little bit of it, but it wasn't something that really captured me. But I think that was simply because, um, I wasn't like really into playing my Vita that much at the time. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe the PS4 version will, will get me to just sit down and play it. Cause it does seem to have some cool mechanics to it. 
I th yeah, it's kind of a weird game where you're actually gravity, you, you play with gravity. And it's weird you play this uh, female character that is flung into uh, the city and like into the air and you rush towards one wall and you can run on the wall and then run on any wall because gravity doesn't affect you. And it's kind of weird, but I'm not sure how much of it is actual excellent gameplay because for me it was a little bit confusing maybe i'm just an idiot it's entirely possible but it was a little bit confusing so i'm not sure how much of it is like really cool original gameplay and how much of it is this is a cool game you know this is a good game on our vita so we're gonna love it because there aren't many and i love my vita but there aren't huge you know lots of of exclusives on the vita so But it's definitely highly regarded enough uh, that I'm going to be checking it out. It's it's there was like a, a, a you could sense the applause on Twitter when they announced uh, yeah. Gravity Rush 2. It, it was definitely a game that people were hoping for. Um, everybody's golf. Uh, uh, the next episode, it's sort of an open world golf game. It looked weird. I don't know if we need a, a new Everybody's Golf, but why not? Um, coming out in 2016. Uh, f again from from software, uh, Dark Souls 3 is coming out in um, in April in the West. They, they I'm going to give try and give the information relevant for the West as much as possible, but all of this is aimed at the Japanese public, of course. So um, as I might miss a date here or there. Um, so yeah, Dark Souls 3 um, for those people. There's like lots of new different things as well. It it seems like they're taking the approach they took for weapons in uh, Bloodborne and sort of applying a kind of similar philosophy in magic in Dark Souls. Yeah, so I don't know exactly. They're also, they're also like, there's a lot of um, kind of assets and atmosphere that they took from Bloodborne and they're putting in Dark Souls 3. I played that at PAX uh, as well and I mean, it, it felt very much like Dark Souls with a Bloodborne skin, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. I think the Dark Souls fans are going to be, you know, disagreeing, but uh, I guess it does. Um, I, yeah, I, again, I'm not the biggest expert on, on Dark Souls, so I wouldn't dare to pass any <laughs> kind of judgment on it um sega announced um ryuga gotoku kenzan kiwami which is uh, yakuza the yakuza series uh so yakuza kenzan uh, kiwami is like the edge or so it's a remastered version of uh, uh yakuza kenzan um coming out in january in japan and it includes a demo of yakuza 6 So if you're into that series, uh, you'll be happy to know that uh, Yakuza 6 is going to be a PS4 exclusive coming out fall 2016. Um, Capcom announced a, a weird little third-person shooter called Umbrella Corpse. It's part of the uh, 20-year anniversary for Biohazard uh, Resident Evil. And it's it looks it could be fun. I'm not sure Capcom is going to be the company I go to for my third person shooter competitive type, um, but it's like a three v three, and you have um, zombies that are everywhere around you. They're not very dangerous because you're like this badass, uh, you know, 
like special forces guy and but you can you have a zombie scrambler so they don't see you but then other people can destroy your scrambler and then the zombies start attacking you or you have like grenades that will attract the zombies um so that will also enable you to play with that aspect of the of the environment like you can if someone is is hidden and camping in a corner and sniping everyone you throw a grenade to them and even if the grenade doesn't you know kill you the zombies are all gonna start uh going towards them um so that's 2016 yeah it seems kind of cool the the only issue is that like hardcore resident evil fans are very displeased with this new announcement because it's been so long since they've had a good Res- a Resident Evil game because RE6 was uh, universally uh, panned by most fa- most of the fans. I'm wondering if maybe we shouldn't wait a little bit more because I've been, you know... Well, I'm an old Resident Evil fan from, like, the very beginning. It's kind of like Metal Gear Solid. I liked the first one, I tried to play the others, and they were okay, but they were either plagued by terrible, terrible story... Or, like, you know, the second one was in that police station, which was clearly a manor that was turned into a police station where you could, like, solve puzzles of gems putting into eyes of statues. You're like, this is a police station. What are you doing? (laughs) And then the later ones, some of them were good. I mean, Code Veronica, which was hated by everyone, I thought was pretty good. Um, But then they took so long to adapt to a better type of gameplay um, and you were still very stiff in the way you would play it, that I'm, I'm thinking, take your time, do something good, and when you're ready to announce it, do it. I'm not going to, you know, um, push them. Uh, Chunsoft announced a new Danganronpa V3 for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita. Uh, Danganronpa, if you haven't heard about this, it's kind of a... Mm-hmm. How can you describe... It's a visual okay. novel. It's another one of those visual novel games, kind of like uh, Virtue's Last Rewards, the Zero Escape series. Um, yeah. But the, the one the one issue that I had with them is that they only came out on Vita. There was no other real option. Yeah. Um, it, but it's, this one's coming out on PlayStation 4. It is coming out, yeah. And I think it's also on the cusp of it becoming a little bit more well-known in the West as well. When it came out on Vita, the second one, uh, a lot of people started playing it. And it's this weird thing where you're supposed to be like you're... Uh, it's a group of people and you you have to stay until the end and all of the others die. And there's a tribunal and you have to prove that... I mean, it's a weird thing but uh i i didn't try it myself i have to give it a try because it's certainly one of those under current games that is making enough noise that it's uh probably an interesting take on something um but yeah it's coming out uh i don't think we had a date for that one uh the the anime fans will be happy to hear that there's a trailer for attack on titan um i mean a gameplay trailer uh for the attack on titan game um, this one seems really cool. Yeah, you you like yeah, it? Yeah, I, I was a huge fan of, of the anime and in the manga as well. So, um, and the the 3DS game that came out earlier this year in the US d- just like didn't seem like the kind of gameplay that I was really looking for. Um, so I don't know. Th- this seems definitely a lot a lot more closer to to what I was kind of envisioning. 
It's um, it's an interesting one. I mean, Attack on Titan, for those who don't know what the anime is, it's basically um, all of humanity is in one last city and uh, basically they have giant walls around the city because you have these giants, uh, the Titans, which are very large people that seem mindless and they just show up and destroy everything and eat people. And in order to fight them, they have these weird uh, hooks that make them look almost like Spider-Man. And they hook from from building to building and and slash the Titans with swords. And it seems like a type of gameplay that isn't easy to reproduce in uh, in a game. Um, And the trailer, the game is not very pretty. Honestly, I think it kind of looked like shit a little bit. But... They seem to be having that gameplay kind of equivalent to what you would think the anime would translate into. Like, it's a mix between some kind of Spider-Man-ish thing and uh, a swords game, a slasher, and it it could work. I'm not sure it's going to appeal to people who aren't already fan of the anime, but it could be a satisfactory experience for them. Yeah, and I'm I'm not sure exactly how it's going to control either. It seems like in the in the little bit of the gameplay things that they're showing in the trailer, it it, it seems like it's kind of it, it tells you and and puts the the little spike things on where where it wants to go, not really where you tell it to go. If that makes sense. Yeah, it it yeah exactly. You have like you choose between uh, different. Uh, uh, targets and then you press the button and you rush towards it and you slash it or something like that um right but we'll see we'll see um there's a game called neo which is a game by koe tecmo which was first announced 12 years ago or well 11 years ago it's going to be coming out in 2016 um it's a weird mix between um Basically, Dark Souls and Ninja Gaiden and Onimusha, for those who remember those. And maybe even some, a little bit of Witcher in there. The Um, guy looks like uh, Geralt. Yeah, yeah. The hero looks like Geralt, kind of. And um, it's it's just the reason we're talking about it is that (laughs) it is really the fact that um, it's, it's... it's been so long and it was supposed to come out on PlayStation um, on PlayStation 3 initially and then, you know, it disappeared. And so anyway, it's um, it's an interesting one. Um, what else? What else? Uh, Final Fantasy 15. Um, Final Fantasy 15 is it, 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 there wasn't a lot of new things in the um in the the trailers but there were like they showed some chocobo riding and some fishing the fishing i you know it was exactly what i thought it would be it was a stupid mini game with fishing and whatever the chocobo riding however i was very surprised that it's it looked fun um i thought it would be just like in every other final fantasy game you have a giant chicken you get on it and then you move faster but there was like acceleration and like he was almost drifting and yeah it it seems like it could be fun it looks like he's using it to like kind of jump around on the rocks and stuff so there could be like um like hidden things in the environment that you could only get to via the chocobo and yeah it does i see what you mean by the the drifting and stuff um 
the kind of show. It does it does seem kind of kind of neat, and it's something that that the the Final Fantasy series hasn't really done. And it's interesting because they have a car, but they're using chocobos to do their drifting. And, and <laughs> well, stuff. you have to have chocobos in Final Fantasy. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, there is uh, also Persona Five, which again it keeps being the one game that I think might break out a little bit. Um, th- there's a couple of trailers that were shown, and it's still super beautiful. I mean, it, nothing new new but it's a it's a game that has so much um potential and like the artistic direction is so different and interesting i think it's a it's a, a cool jap if you're into japanese anything this is a cool um thing that you're going to experience i think it's very Japanese and very like you, you live in Tokyo and you do stuff in Tokyo and it's very, I don't know. It, it, it appeals to me for some reason. Yeah. I mean, Persona 4 was, um, was actually a pretty big breakout hit in the, in the U S I know that, that a lot of people are, are really looking forward to Persona, Persona 5. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, uh, it's what we keep saying on the show. It's like this one could be, uh, could become uh, Persona 4 is still kind of confidential. It's a, I mean, a lot of people play it, but I don't think the general public has tried it. Most people have heard about it now. So I think they're going to be yeah. interested in checking out Persona 5. Uh, there's a bunch of other games we're not necessarily going to go into. There's, uh, the project Tetsuna from Square's Tokyo RPG fa- factory. It's like, super japanese rpg if that's your thing you're going to be happy uh some monster hunter dragon quest builders is going to come out in january i think it's basically minecraft in dragon quest so could be cool but minecraft is such an enormous success in japan it's a million seller um it was kind of unexpected and uh it really took off in japan so that's dragon quest for you know people who like minecraft um metal gear online was showcased and uh kingdom hearts hd 2.8 future <laughs> chapter prologue seriously between this and and star ocean uh integrity and faithlessness the japanese are showcasing their mastery at english titles um yeah, so <laughs> if you're into kingdom hearts this is going to be a, a basically a prologue to kingdom hearts 3 which is a, a series of there's a, a you know mix between games and uh full motion like videos that introduce what's been happening and what's happened and what's going to happen before uh the third episode so yeah see so the before this they had the 1.5 and 2.5 hd remixes and so the only game that was missing out of that was the was the 3ds game dream drop distance and so this one has that plus an additional um little extra story from the playstation vita birth by sleep game so yeah, so it's a little bit more, and yeah, doesn't, again, not every game speaks to everyone, and this one doesn't speak to me, so it's 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 a little bit puzzling. You're like, it, it's this is what? And <clears throat> I imagine that's how people feel when I go like, oh, but in Street Fighter, you can like, you have the V skill when you, you, you press two buttons, and it's amazing. And they're like, dude, it's Street Fighter. Yeah, I think I think it's more for the the fans of the series to kind of 
get themselves all caught up on anything that they that they might have missed versus yeah exactly uh, versus bringing new people in, which I think is what Kingdom Hearts three itself is supposed to is supposed to do. Yeah. Um. All right, so uh, l- l- that's about it for the for the uh, Tokyo Game Show. I think we've covered most of the important things. I don't think we've, we've missed much. I'm sure you'll come and let us know if we have. Uh, but let's move on to the Apple TV that was announced a couple of weeks ago. And uh, let's try and, and think about how it's going to be affecting the games industry, if at all. You know, it's, it's going to be an Apple app ecosystem, and um, there are going to be lots of things that are going to happen on it, you know, lots of apps and lots of TV and lots of all of that. But uh, they also did um, make a point of talking about games. And I'm, at first, I was very skeptical um, but I guess you know that, you know, the, the, it's a relatively powerful machine for a mobile machine. It's not obviously going to be giving you the graphics of a, of a PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Um, but uh, it also has this uh, little remote that acts as a basically Wiimote. Uh, it has motion detection and it also has a small um, touchpad on it that you can use for gaming as well. Um, and so the games that were introduced, I think, are a little bit more convincing than I initially thought. There, There's going to be Skylanders, of course, uh, Guitar Hero Live, uh, Geometry Wars 3, Crossy Road with a multi, uh, a co-op, well, not co-op, but multi-mode that looked super fun, uh, Galaxy on Fire, which is honestly a good game, Beat Sports, which is kind of a sports game mixed with a music game. Um, you like bat your, your bat at a baseball game in, in the right rhythm, and you use the motion controller for that. Um, and a, a couple of others, including, you know, the Transistor, a bunch of iOS games are going to be adapted. Um, what do you think? Is this going to make a dent? Is this going to change things? Or I don't know. I mean, the, the price point is definitely interesting. I mean, for the, it seems kind of like, like uh, Microsoft really wanted the Xbox One to be um this like video streaming kind of thing um like tv box first and then a game console um and the ps4 uh, made the approach of doing the opposite which was a game consoles first and then you could have your apps on it um but for the price point of 150 dollars it seems like something that could possibly like very easily enter the 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 ecosystem i mean if it, if it's powerful enough to drive a lot of these um a lot of these games then then i think it could at least for people instead of instead of sitting on their couches playing on their phones they sit on their couches and and play on their apple tvs instead so all right let me give you the uh, opposite argument um the people who play on iOS devices or even on, uh, uh, you know, on Android devices are usually, not all the time, but usually people who are very casual. And um, the way I define casual is people who play when they have time to waste. And, you know, the core gamers are the people who actually make specific time to play. But mm-hmm. the people who usually play on iOS devices are going to be people who... Um, who who play when they're in the 
you know, in public transportation, they're queuing at the at the store or that kind of thing. Once they come back home, aren't they going to want to actually do the thing they like to do? Like, for example, watching TV and not play that stupid Candy Crush game at home on their big TV? Yeah, I guess... I guess I'm curious to see if there's going to be any kind of multitasking kind of stuff in in TVOS because I, I can see something so. like I don't uh, I, uh, I maybe the, like the, I'm, yeah. I'm watching my TV show and a little thing pops up in the right corner. It's like, oh look, you need to do such and such for your Farmville game or whatever. So you just do it real mm. quick like using your phone as the that could be interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, but I don't think there's actually any of that kind of uh, multitasking functionality in there well maybe i guess but yeah maybe if you can shrink your tv uh the thing you're watching on tv and then launch the thing on the the device and do your your uh updates on your farm or whatever it is on your you know um uh, get your fallout shelter uh, yeah exactly maybe but then if it's about multitasking you could do it on your phone as well and do people do that maybe they do um but i think there is one strength with the with the system it's that first of all so i don't think that super casual players are going to play i think it's it's going to be um the, the people who really just play Candy Crush for 15 minutes when they're on public transportation, I don't think they're going to play. But I think there might be a place, um, sort of an a, a intermediary space for people who are uh, not really big gamers, but that do enjoy gaming, that are going to have that thing already plugged in because of TV, because of all of their you know other yeah. apps. And they're going to see a game which is there that they might enjoy, uh, maybe to play with their friends. There's a lot of party games type games there. And where the Wii failed, I think, in the long run, because people wouldn't come uh, take it out because they bought it as a, you know, a party game. And they, they played it three times like they would Monopoly or Risk or whatever. And then stop plugging it in. Uh, I think this one is always going to be in there. And the game's have an opportunity to be not just one buck or free to play or, but because it's on your TV, psychologically you can, you're willing to pay five bucks or seven bucks or or 10 bucks. And so developers are going to have an opportunity to create that intermediary market, which is between the phones, which are super cheap games and the high end consoles for core gamers. Um, I'm not sure it's going to happen, but I think it might yeah, I mean, and the reason I mentioned the the price point, one hundred fifty dollars, it does seem like something that could possibly jump into that kind of middle of the road, like you were saying, market that doesn't really want to buy a three hundred fifty, four hundred dollar game console, but is willing to drop one hundred fifty dollars on something that could fill their TV viewing and have games on it. Yeah. Yeah, could it, it could work. Um, the thing I'm the most excited about is to see whether or not developers are going to be managing to sell games for, <laughs> like, to make a decent living, to pay, yeah. to, to, to make people pay five bucks and not, you know, pull the one dollar out of their grasp, a dying grasp, as, you know, because they don't want to pay for anything for their phone, so... Um, there's also an interesting little tidbit about the, uh, apps size limit, um, on the Apple TV, which is actually an app size limit on, on iOS in general. Um, it's the app, uh, slicing, which basically 
you know how, if you're a little bit technical, you remember how um, basically on iOS, your device manages your memory. So your your live memory. So if you uh, don't use an app for two or three hours and if your phone needs the space in the RAM to launch another app, then it is going to decide to close the app you haven't used for a while. And um, there, there's been a lot of talk about that 200 megabytes five limit, file limit, which I didn't really understand at first, uh, and I thought would be limiting to games. And I think for some games it might be limiting, but the way it, act- it works is actually pretty clever. Um, so it's going to work like the RAM management, but for hard drive, quote-unquote, space um, for the Apple TV. So you download your initial app, needs to be 200 megabytes maximum. And then you get the resources on demand. So you could download the, uh, you know, the app would download itself 200 megabytes, and then it needs one gigabytes of assets. It's going to download that immediately. So in effect, the app is not super restricted. However, if there is not enough space on your storage, uh, if you're getting low on space, then the system is going to look at the assets that you've been using. And there might be an app that is, uh, you know, a, a game that has like 10 levels and you've played through levels, you know, you play level one, two, three, and it downloads level four, five, six, and you play four, five, six, it's levels uh, seven, eight, nine. And then you download another app that needs some more space. The system is going to look at the initial game and it's going to see, oh, that game uh, says that he hasn't used these slides for levels one through three um, in six months. And probably there's some priority and some logic there, but they're probably not going to be using them anymore. So I'm going to remove that and make space for the new app. And if they need them again, then they will re-download them. Uh, but yeah, so that's the way it works in, in theory. Um, yeah, I mean, so the, the, the one thing about this is that it's going to make more work for the developers that want to move their games to tvOS. Um, because the, right now, like, if you think about the, the I guess, the bigger, hard, hard, more hardcore games uh, that are on the phones and iPads, like Infinity, Infinity Blade is the one they mentioned in this article. Um, the, those all kind of download everything in mass. So when you're developing for the tvOS, you kind of have to be able to shift the way your game is packaged so that it it knows what needs to be downloaded at once, and and that could that, that could possibly be a problem. I mean, unless unless Apple adds the the functionality to to download the extra stuff themselves in the App Store, then you have to find some way to host that, and you have to find some way to. Oh no! To... I think if I'm not mistaken, all of it is still hosted on the App Store. So okay. you don't, okay. as a developer, yeah, as a developer, you don't have to worry about. A lot. You do have to slice up your app and and make it uh, make some of the um, on demand resources available and correctly tagged. Uh, so you do have to do that. And I'm guessing that for some games, some of the bigger, more serious games, it might even pause a problem. It might actually make some things like I don't know. Let's say you have a big game that where you can redo any level at any time. Uh, you 
leave it for like a month because you're busy and then you want to go back to it and go to the first level. Ooh, it's been erased because, you know, you didn't have space anymore and another app took its place. So in some games, yes, I think it might be a problem. But I think for the way they're looking at it and for the vast, that's what Apple always does. They try to find a solution that fits the most people. And there are going to be some edge cases uh, that are not going to be working in this case, but it still fits the most people. And so it's going to benefit that majority. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I think. Mean, it, sorry, I was just going to say that I, that I looked at the, uh, I've been looking at the, the, the developer reference because I was kind of inter- interested in seeing like what can be done with the um, with Apple TV and, and if there's a way to like say this is the highest priority do not delete this or, or delete this at the very last minute or whatever then that could be something cool like you mentioned the the game that like you create a level or whatever um, yeah yeah and, of course and to, have the ability for the app to say do not delete this like keep this here or at least like keep it around until the very last possible minute or whatever, like giving it a higher priority could be something that could kind of help people kind of get around the problem of, of the lack of persistency. Yeah. I think, I think this is definitely a, a something that works. Um, I also think it's not going to work as I was saying for everyone, like let's imagine, let's go crazy and think there there's going to be a game like red dead revolver or redemption. Sorry. That comes out on the Apple TV. Obviously that kind of, the, that kind of system is going to be a problem for a game like that. Not just because it's huge, but because you're supposed to be able to go to any place of the game and so use any asset um, at any time. So if you have to wait and and for it to re-download one gig of data, uh, when you want to go to that one place you haven't been in a while in the game, it's going to be a problem. But for games like, you know, all of the ones we've mentioned, um, games like Geometry Wars, Crossy Road, uh, all, well, those are probably going to fit in the initial 200 megs. But um, yeah, so all of those, it's probably not going to be as big of a problem. Um, and it's only, you have to keep in mind, if it doesn't need the space, it doesn't delete anything. It's only when it does need the space. So it's a way of trying to fit more into smaller um, smaller storage spaces. And I suspect also because people install tons of stuff that they they then don't use right you you, yeah. you never go well i do because i'm ocd but uh, you never go through your phone and look at the apps that you don't use and you haven't used in you know six months or a year and go oh this one i'm gonna delete it you you leave it there because you think one day i might play that game. yeah so yeah I, I, the, i'm just a little concerned about like people with data caps because yeah. they're gonna and especially because it's so like i'm not sure how in the forefront on the ui it's going to be like if it'll say oh i'm downloading the one gigabyte thing that i need right now or whatever or Mm. if it'll just be a loading screen that just is spinning while it's downloading Mm. i'm yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure how it's gonna work yeah that might need to be addressed Mm. yeah maybe you can turn it off completely or like turn off the deletion of uh, of some apps and then you have to go and delete things yourself uh, but that wouldn't be very apple like apple, apple just apple wants like to all, exactly yeah. yeah so we'll see i'm sure there are going to be again some edge cases where yeah in some games it's not going to work for some people uh, it's going to be a nightmare the data caps are going to be uh, 
moderate problem. I mean, I don't think the Apple TV is going to be downloading, you know, 100 gigs uh, a, a month. It's going to be more, the, the streaming is probably going to be a lot more data than whatever game you're going to be downloading or re-downloading, unless you constantly switch games and you play like five of them at once and you switch between them all the time and it constantly has to re-download stuff. Um I would suspect data caps are high enough that this is not going to be affecting them majorly, but we'll see. Um, Nintendo has a new president. And the one thing I wanted to mention, um, so he's been elected. It's, his name is uh, Tatsumi Kimishima. He's uh, been elected for a year and is going to be renewed after a year. Um, he's going to be continuing the policies that um, uh, Iwata had put in place and the projects that he had put in place. They're still going to be doing Nintendo Directs. Uh, so that's, that's okay. Uh, they're still going to be doing those silly little things. Um, but the one thing that's really important is, first of all, he's not a developer, so he is a manager type person. He comes from a financial background. He's a Nintendo person, though. Um, he went through the Pokemon company. He was uh, president of Nintendo of America for a while before uh, Regis Fisseme. Um, but he is 65. And so he's definitely not a young person. When Iwata was um, nominated uh, by... Yamauchi, um, he was supposed to be there for 30 years. You know, he was supposed to lead the company for a very long time. Uh, Kimishima is there for, you know, if we stretch it, I'm guessing 10 years if he stays. Uh, he's 65 already. I, I don't know that he's going to be want to be uh, staying there forever. Although Yamauchi was there, you know, <laughs> until the end. Um, but he was also involved in the in the family of the company and so i'm thinking this probably means uh iwata had a game plan um no pun intended and he had everything down and it, everything was set and kimishima is just here to execute on that and make sure that he's able to you know he's a good manager he he can he knows the company um he was number four uh after iwata miyamoto and takeda uh, miyamoto and takeda being the two co-presidents right now uh, miyamoto there's also reorganization miyamoto is going to be um, creative fellow takeda technology fellow so they're going to be handling software and hardware they're really the chiefs of the the effective day-to-day -day things of the company and Kimishima is going to be the head like it's almost like they have three people to replace Iwata uh, that they needed three people to make well you know obviously Miyamoto was doing his thing in Takeda as well but um, yeah so Kimishima is a temporary not temporary it's going to be a few years at least but um, he's not there for for 30 years obviously yeah, I mean he he has uh, some background in finance as well. Yeah, so, so maybe that's something Nintendo needs right now. Maybe um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, just they're, they're not, maybe you know the Wii U not, is not selling not lots. Strapped for cash by any stretch of the imagination, but they, maybe they need someone with a little bit more financial mind to kind of steer them, as well as I mean having Miyamoto be the head of their game kind of area, um, and Takeda being head of the the te like technology console kind of kind of thing seems like a, a, a pretty good organization while 
Kimishima can kind of focus more on the the financial side of the company. Yeah, it's 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 clean. It makes sense, and uh, it's not like they're not strapped for cash for sure. But it's the kind of thing the 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 terrible mess of the Wii U, which is not selling at all, um, is well. I mean, it's ten million, but for for a console that's been out for what three years, it's it's not mm-hmm. good. Um, and it's not like they're it's not panic mode yet, but it's definitely let's make sure we're not doing anything stupid mode, right? So they need to have someone who knows what he's doing, and yeah, he, I'm guessing that neither Miyamoto or Takeda wanted to be heads of the entire company. <laughs> they didn't want those headaches, so yeah. um, Kimishima was like, "All right, I'll do it." That's how I see that meeting happening. <laughs> um. All right, uh, that's about it for Nintendo. Let's now talk about Destiny. Are you ready for Destiny? Go right ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So I am a pretty big Destiny fan. Um, I've been enjoying the game since it came out. Um, I didn't expect well i expected a lot of the game and of course i was disappointed that it wasn't what i had hoped uh i was disappointed it wasn't um uh, basically a very immersive world mmo and uh, mmo fps basically and and i don't think that the people who are still holding out for an immersive world are going to be liking the Destiny expansion, um, the Taken King, which came out last week. But there was another issue with Destiny, and it was the fact that it was not a, a very coherent single-player experience. It was the the story was not even convoluted. It was ridiculous. There was no story. It wasn't just that there was no story. It was that it was it did not make sense to the way to the point that. It's difficult to imagine anything like just say 10 random words that come out in front of your mind that come to your mind right now. And you're going to have something that makes about as much sense as the Destiny story. Um, It was terrible. It was terrible. But as I've said many times on the show, the gameplay was excellent. The gameplay was super fun. The mechanics of shooting stuff was perfect. Um, what they've done in in the Taken King, and I didn't have huge hopes. I thought it was going to be more of vanilla Destiny in a very copy and paste manner, um, but they have improved a lot of things pretty dramatically. Um, so we're still not into the immersive MMO type of thing. It's still very much a. Um, a, a alone together let's you know do some dungeons they're called strikes in in the game but do some dungeons together with random people but most of the time i'm going to be hanging out somewhere and maybe i'm going to meet someone and do a quest together or go do an activity together but it's not like you know an immersive world so the people who want that the taken king is not for you if you're looking however for a fun uh single player progression and a very rewarding um, max level uh, uh, experience, I think you might want to take another look at Destiny. I've often compared it to MMOs in general, but I think I was wrong. I think the thing that it 
relates the closest to in in spirit and in in game design is actually Diablo. Um, I think this game, especially in its current uh, implementation, is a a hack and slash FPS. It's a Diablo FPS. You you kill hordes and hordes of monsters. You feel insanely powerful. You feel like nothing can stop you. Of course, sometimes you do die, but... uh, it, it does feel very good to to play and, and destroy all of those monsters that are being thrown at you, and you upgrade your gear. And that's basically all you do. Now, for the leveling experience, there's a story that actually makes sense. It's still dumb. Uh, you know, it's not like Academy Award uh, story, but it makes sense. And there's so much humor. Like, you have the two... The main character is... Um, uh, one of the characters is Cade, and he is played by Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion, and it's so he's so much fun. There's so much self-deprecation that, like, I I literally laughed out loud. Maybe you know, every half an hour I would laugh out loud. It was super fun. Like, let me give you just one example. You're you're supposed to um, go and get a a open a door and you need a tomb husk which is this item and and you're supposed to find one and your ghost your little companion is telling you oh i've scanned the door to open it you need the tomb husk it's a super rare artifact that uh, the hive has been using for thousands of years but they're really hard to find and then you turn around and there's a tomb husk and he's like oh a tomb husk and it's just, you know, it just falls completely at the right time, the right timing. Kate is is this uh, uh, roguish type mentor of yours that keeps going, like, trying to explain some convoluted thing. And then he concludes the mission briefing by, like, so, yeah, basically just shoot them. And And you're like, yes, this is exactly what the game... This is what I have been thinking about Destiny for a year. And they're acknowledging it and making it funny in bringing it back to me. So it's like, it's not taking itself seriously. It's super fun. Um, Then you have the main quest. A lot of people are judging it by the main quest, which lasts like four hours. And you you level to the level cap, which is level 40. And like, oh, so, you know, I was level 40 immediately. I finished the quest in four hours. This sucks. There's no content. But actually, the quests continue for, I must be 15 hours in. And I'm still, like, maybe halfway through all of the quests. It's super, there's lots of content, like, seriously. Um then I'm going to go into the list a little bit quicker now of, of why I, th- I really like it. The new superpowers, the, the supers, are incredibly fun. Like the supers, basically in the game, um, you play PvE or PvP, and every five minutes or four minutes, you get your super, which makes you completely overpowered, right? It's so every five minutes, you're, you, you destroy everything and it feels super good. Um, except usually it's one action, like you throw your mega ball of death or you destroy the ground by, you know, slamming it with your fists and everyone around it dies. And it's this one thing. But the new abilities in the, um, in the new expansion are channeled abilities that last for, you know, 15, 20 seconds. And my character is a warlock and you have this Emperor Palpatine like 
lightning storm thing that you throw out of your hands and everything around you is destroyed. And so every five minutes, you're like, you find the right spot where you have lots of enemies that are not too powerful, you know, too high health that you're going to be able to destroy them. And you rush into it and you're like, all right, now it's my moment. You effers are all going to die. And you activate your thing and you, you feel... It's super fun. You feel super good about it. Um, the gear structure has also been rethought. You, you get a lot more loot, so you're not chasing it. Again, the comparison with uh, Diablo fits here. It's every time you kill a boss, the loot actually drops on the ground, and there's lots of it. Like You will get lots of um, uh, uh, items that you can actually use throughout your leveling session and afterwards. Um the 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 swords are a new type of weapon that again it's a heavy weapon so you can't use it all the time but it feels incredibly good like you get into the fight and you slash everything in an fps it's kind of unexpected and it provides a, a great pacing because you always have something fun to do when you're getting bored or of shooting with one gun you have another one when you're getting bored of the second one you have the sword when you're getting bored of the sword you have the the super that's active etc etc and it's a cycle and it's super well paced super super fun um there are incredibly clever game design features like one of the issues in uh, in vanilla was that you had to gather lots of materials to upgrade your weapons and for, so first of all they reduced the amount of material you needed but also they gave one of the um, item slots an ability to actually track those uh, resources on the map so you select the one you want uh, you have to find it of course uh, to find the item that that tracks the right one but once you do you you can actually uh, track them on the map so what that does is that it keeps you in the world, it keeps you playing, it keeps you engaged, and it doesn't make it makes that activity a lot more simple and a lot more fun because previously in the in the expansions um, in the previous expansions, the way they had solved that issue was just that you could buy the material with some in game currency um, and that was you know a stopgap because it, it took you out of the world. Um, the way you control your stats is, is very clever. you can choose which one you boost a little bit more a little bit less, and it has effect on your um, on your uh, the way you play, uh, there's a new mechanic that is infusing a, a, a weapon. So in a game based on loot, which this one definitely is, when you have a cool weapon um, or a cool piece of gear, you don't necessarily want to get rid of it just because the next one has a better number of it. So what you can do here is that you will you keep that one piece of gear, uh, but you infuse it with the power of the better one, and that initial one you like becomes better. So, for example, with my sword, I got my, my stupid little initial sword uh, that wasn't very powerful because I waited till later in the game um, to get it, and it was not powerful enough for me to use it effectively. So I took other items that I had, um, that I had gathered in the meantime and infused their power into the, the sword. And the sword is still, you know, it doesn't have all of the abilities that I'm guessing later swords are going to be uh, uh, getting. Like, I, I only have one type of slash. I, I, there are, you know, different things that the swords can do. 
but it's still competitive. I'm, I, I raised it to a level that makes it um, usable and, and not frustrating. Um, a couple more things. It's, there's randomness in the dungeons that is very effective, surprisingly effective. Um, it, some of the encounters or some of the events as you progress through the dungeon are randomized, so it keeps it fresh. Even if you do the same dungeon twice in a row, you're still going to feel like a little bit different, and it works. I was skeptical, but it does work. Um, and, you know, there are stupid little things. Like, if they give you much more ammo than they did before. You, it's not like you can use your special or heavy weapons all the time, but you can use them a lot more. And that plays into that cycle, uh, that pace of making things a little bit less monotonous and a, a lot more fun. Um, so, yeah, I think this uh, expansion is an unmitigated success. It is a, a heavy contender for Game of the Year for me with, with Batman. Um, and again, I understand that people who did not like uh, Destiny at first because they thought it was going to be an MMO, immersive world MMO, are not going to like this, probably. But... Those who kind of liked it and who thought it was a little bit, uh, you know, tedious or uh, it didn't hold their interest for too long, um, I think, or if you like games like Diablo <laughs> uh, and FPSs, you could consider giving it a, a, another try. It is the best, uh, the best version, like before this expansion, I, I, I would say it's the best version of an online Co cooperative FPS uh, with a little bit of a caveat because I knew it wasn't perfect at everything it did. It's not perfect, but it's so good uh, at at doing that that I I'm not like ashamed to say it anymore. I think it's it's a, an honestly true to God good game. It is an a, an excellent version of what it set out to do. So yeah. I love Destiny. Well, it, it's hard. It's hard not to get excited. They're listening to you talk about it like that. I mean, <laughs> um, I was one of the people that, that waited for early impressions before I, I did anything uh, or bought the game at all, and, and so I I kind of skipped it uh, when it came out last year. Um, two of my friends are are big, huge Destiny people, so I don't know. May, may, maybe maybe you might have convinced me to, to pick it up at least and, and give, it, <laughs> give it a try so i have to i have to try the the initial leveling experience because the one i'm talking about is the um from level 25 up which is the expansions leveling experience if you buy the full box um it you get a, a level 25 item uh, i'm sorry level 25 uh boost so you can start immediately oh, there uh, it's still a bit expensive to buy everything together. I think it's, it might be 80 bucks, so that's super expensive if you didn't have anything before. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the, there's the Legendary Edition um, on yeah. on Amazon right now, and it, it includes the base game, the two expansions, and the Taken King, and it's $60. Okay, that's not, wow, that's not too bad, yeah. It's the price of a game, a regular game. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the initial leveling experience has been improved as well, but I don't know how much. So I wouldn't say that that one is good as well before I've tried it. But right. Taken King on, so level 25 on, brilliant. I love it. Um, so, you know, if you ever end up uh, getting into it, please let me know if I've uh, uh, deceived you when you're horribly disappointed and angry. 
I will make sure I let you know. <laughs> and the same goes for anyone listening to the show. Um, <laughs> I, I will be happy to receive your constructive criticism. Um, Mario Maker, I've also tried that. It is... Yeah, so what do you think? It is really neat to see what some people can do in that in that like kind of build uh, the 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 framework that they've given you. Um I don't know if you've played any of the don't touch anything levels. Yeah, that's kind of clever. Yeah. It, it's, it's it's cool. It's cool to I mean, it's not really fun to play because you're not doing anything, but it's it's just just getting in there and doing a couple of them. It's cool seeing what how crazy stuff people people do when the um in the kind of design that they had to have in mind as they were doing it so that they could uh they could do that those kind of things especially when uh when like uh things that could kill you come like really close to hitting you yeah. but not quite as <laughs> as you zoom by or whatever it it's cool um i also played a, a couple of the other um other levels that that people do um some of them were were a little bit too hard for my liking i kind of got frustrated and That's the fact the problem, that there's no isn't it? there's there's no checkpointing in the game is kind of annoying um so i mean i would like the the ability to have some kind of checkpointing so that i don't have to play through the entire level again especially when especially the ones that are super long and have like really complicated hard puzzles at the very end that yeah. can just that, that kind of functionality just gets frustrating uh, i agree there's a little bit too much of a uh, well, first difficulty, but mostly I think most of the levels that are relatively enjoyable are puzzle-ish levels, right? Yeah. It, it's it's puzzles where like it's way of using ways of using the the gameplay mechanics that are actually make you go, huh? So how do I do that? And actually, my first level is kind of a puzzle-ish thing as well. Um, so. I, I'm not sure it's a Mario experience. Um, I do think that the initial, like the first five to ten minutes, how they get you into playing and constructing your first little bit of a level is like when you first boot up the game. It's genius. It's game design at its best. Um, mm -hmm. It's incredible how they they've compressed uh knowledge and um ease of use and leading you on uh to where you need to be into those five minutes this is nintendo's mastery showcased uh right there um but ultimately the levels some of them are good i mean it is it is interesting and it is fun and constructing the the levels is surprisingly fun fun i didn't think i was going to be into it but it is fun um but yeah there's i think there's too much difficulty and too much puzzliness which is what we were fearing and so i don't know how long i'm going to be playing it yeah I've, i mean the one thing that i kind of heard is that it kind of happened with other user created level things like little big planet was um at first, everyone kind of goes for the hardest of the hard, yeah. And then a, a couple of years down the line, you get the one, the gems that truly shine. And right now, you can sort by favorite and, and or most favorited, but most of those are the ones that you don't touch anything or whatever. Or you just run right. Um, and it, for for some for a game like Mario, I expect uh, something that has me actually play it a little bit more than just running in a single direction. I mean, the, those games are, are kind of cool, but. Uh, they're, they're not something that that really like wants me to keep playing more and more and more 
Yeah. Maybe, you know, I have it now. I think I'm going to keep it. Um, I'm going to leave it there. There's going to be a lot of games coming in the in the holiday season. I might go back to it a little bit later um, and, and see what's been happening there. Or, you know, maybe launch it. It's not a game that I'm going to be playing, you know, five hours at a time. But maybe a, a small half an hour break here and there. It's the kind of experience that could be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about Nintendo, Star Fox has been delayed to 2016. It's... Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's good good on them for, you know, making sure that the game is as good as it can be. It certainly was a disappointment visually uh, when it was yep. showcased a few months ago. Um, but, yeah, it's basically the, the Wii U has Star Fox and then Zelda, and that's it. And I'm, I wouldn't, again, I've said it before, but I wouldn't be surprised if Zelda ends up being uh, an NX, their next generation thing, uh, title, after all. So... Especially yeah, with wa- this delay, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if they're they're gonna like if the Zelda game was going to be like what Twilight Princess was, which where it was on GameCube and the Wii at the same time. It, it seems like it's becoming more and more likely that that's going to be the case because it, it just keeps getting closer and closer to the time when yeah. they really need to get the the NX to to do something. If it's not, it, I think it will probably be out in twenty seventeen. It it looks like it might, yeah. But um, I mean, they they delayed Star Fox to 2016. They didn't say when, um, but I'm guessing it's not going to be January. Um, but then they still do need something for. They're going to show the NX in in probably around E3. I'm guessing announce it. I don't I don't think it's going to be out the same year. Maybe it will. Um, but if it isn't, they need something for the Wii U. In in that you know second half of 2016, they can't not have anything, right? It and it does say Q1 2016 for Star Fox yeah. Zero. So. Yeah, um, yeah. So we'll see. Um, the witness is going to arrive in January, and if you don't know yes. who, what the witness is, uh, well, Ed is going to tell you because he sounds excited. Yeah. So so Braid was a game that came out on Xbox Live Arcade um, and PC. Oh, oh, a couple of years back. I don't remember exactly when it was, but Oh, Braid was, was a long time ago. It was yeah, yeah. five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. So it was a puzzle a puzzler game where you kinda also controlled time and you had the ability to kind of rewind time. And so through through that, whenever you rewind time, your kind of character kind of stayed and, and continued doing the things that he was doing before. So you kinda had to control yourself and then control yourself again while your old self was doing the same actions before so it was very mind bending and 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 it was just an amazing puzzle game it's very cheap on on steam i've seen it i've seen it go as low as a couple bucks and i think it's definitely worth a try but the witness is supposed to be yeah just a word a word on braid it was hugely influential it was first of all in that in that huge explosion of indie games that actually were interesting and clever and and different uh-huh. um in, it came out in 2008 um and it was hugely influential like you see these kinds of mechanics in lots of games now the and and if i'm not mistaken i think it was the first one that showcased it or at least showcased it in that way and and it's been you know an inspiration for many many uh, uh designers yeah, and so the what I was going to mention is that Braid, it was originally like level based, so each you had a single level that you kind of worked in. But the witness is supposed to be more kind of open in a way, so that 
um, kind of like if I don't know if you played it, Patrick, but the the Talus Principle was I didn't each, play it, were, but yeah, I've, in the I've Talus heard Principle there are there are worlds that you go into that each have their own separate separated uh, levels, but there was you could walk from one to the other very easily, and, and it was first person and. and but there's also ways to have the levels kind of interact with each other to unlock um, more difficult puzzles in a way. And so this is all open world. You could walk from one puzzle to another. Um, it does seem something that's really, really cool. And if Jonathan Blow does enough with the puzzles that, that can kind of blow someone out of the water like 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 I did with Braid with me, I mean, I'm really, really looking forward to this. And it comes out very early, January 26, 2016. And man i'm really excited yeah it's it's definitely the kind of thing that people should give a try um if you're at all interested in these kinds of things only if only because it's jonathan blow and if he manages to make something you know he's gotten so high in the in the general uh consciousness of the game industry it's like if he manages to do something cool he's going to become one of the you know game designers that everyone is going to be looking up to uh because you can do one hit and be like oh it's the guy that made braid but if he has two um it's it doesn't even need to be as good as braid it's uh, it's it sets you there permanently so and the game looks beautiful as well i mean yeah the, the art style it, is incredible yeah it's it's very stylish um yep. we'll see january at last, a um, couple of quick news. Uh, Uncharted Collection uh, demo is coming out at the end of the month, September 29th. Um, and it's going to be a, a, a little bit of Uncharted 2, which I think is the best uh, part of the, the trilogy. So if you've never played Uncharted, I'm sure you're going to want to try that demo. The full release is going to be on October 7. Um, and uh, Uncharted 4, I, I'm not sure we had the date, but it's December. Um, the, the beta is going to start December 4. So if you want to try Uncharted 4, it's a multiplayer beta, so I'm not sure how interesting it's going to be. Um, and uh yeah and uh you you wanted to talk about uh dlc for uncharted yeah so uh, a lot for of the fourth were kind one of, we're kind of confused about the fact that they have already announced a single player dlc for for uncharted and the 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 article that i linked here was just talking about how they were so successful with left the left behind dlc for last of us and have it having it be kind of um a separated its own story that that they kind of want to do that with uncharted 4 and i mean i loved left behind it was a way to bring me back to that world and and about characters that i really cared about um in last of us so if they do the same thing with the uncharted 4 dlc i don't really have a problem with it i think some people were kind of miffed by the fact that they've they've already announced it and they've they're already put it on the store even um for people to pre-purchase i guess so some people were miffed about that but that doesn't really bother me as much as as much as just being excited about playing Uncharted 4 in the single-player DLC is. Yeah, I mean, you know, the DLC, it, it's not like they do the game and then they finish the game and they're like, all right, we're going to start working on the DLC. Of course, it's it's planned before. It's often different teams um, that work on the, on the things. And you're right, Naughty Dogs, uh, I mean, the Left Behind DLC, 
it was so good, so yep. good. It was exactly, you know, it made so much sense. It was a perfect complement to the um, original game. And I love the Uncharted series. And it's the kind of thing, if you love that those games, I don't think there's any reason to not want to play a little bit more of it, especially if it's in the hand, the expert hands of Naughty Dog that does it really well. Um, I, for example, I've, I've loved um, Shadow of Mordor, and the DLCs weren't, gr- weren't great. Even the, the Bright Lord DLC was, <sighs> it was... It was not as good as the initial game. It felt a little bit forced. Um, but yeah, so if, if they're going to be making that for Uncharted 4, the... the I mean, if they're going to be making the quality of DLC that they had for The Last of Us, I don't think there's a good reason to not want it. So, yep. It's one thing if the base game, if the main game is not, you know, satisfying enough because you feel like they've chopped a piece of it, right? In, right. in The Last of Us, it wasn't the case at all, so. Yeah, I don't think it's going to... I think they're going to just repeat what The Last of Us did with Uncharted 4. Yeah, hope so. Um, all right, I think that's going to be it for us. Uh, I don't think there's much. I mean, there's a new Street Fighter Five Five character called Karen, but I've sort of gone into uh, Destiny for so long I've indulged <laughs> myself. Uh, Rocket League might be turned into a TV show, which is the weirdest thing I've heard in a couple of weeks. Um, Shenmue 3, the Kickstarter campaign is reopening. Basically, it's a you know different campaign, not on Kickstarter. Uh, what else? PlayStation 2 Classics might be showing up for PlayStation 4. I don't know if it's some kind of remastering or how they're doing it, but it asks the question of uh, backwards compatibility. How are they doing it? Uh, but we'll know more, I guess, when they want to talk about it. Um, that's just, you know, rumor-ish. I mean, we know they're coming out, but we don't know how it's going to be happening. Um, and confirms that Konami is actually not doing any AAA titles anymore, which makes me sad. Um, but we felt it coming. And it's not confirmed, yeah, it, it's rumor, but... It, it was just weird that... I mean, you said it was not confirmed, but they it was a thing that came out that they were not going to do it, and then they very wholeheartedly announced, like, no, no, we're going to do it probably to keep their Metal Gear Solid Five sales up. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as Metal Gear Five is out, they're just like, now nah, we're done. Bye. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not confirmed. It's. It's basically a few months ago they did say, uh, yeah, we're still committed to blah 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 and Metal Gear and AAA and and apparently the reports we're getting are that uh, the, the first of all the guy who developed who is the architect of the Fox engine uh, that costs so much is not in the company anymore people are saying that uh, they're not actively working on any AAA game they're just doing phone games there's been denials from like cs people uh, who were like someone received a response from customer support and and they were like oh i don't know what's happening on the blogs we've announced that we're still working on AAA games but people seem to think that we're not but it's a person from customer support right so Right. I, I don't think they would know. Um, so, yeah, it's it's unclear, um, but it smells like they're not, which is what we were expecting. So mm-hmm. anyway, I guess that's going to be it for Pixels. Um, thank you so much for being on the show, Ed. It was it was great fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just listen, just having the conversation between uh, with all the different things that we talked about was, was really cool. 
Um, no problem. Would you tell people on the internet uh, where they can find you if they wish to find you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Edesis, that's E-D-E-E-S-I-S, and you can also kind of follow my beh more behind-the-scenes exploits with 4Player Network. And um, But if you enjoy four guys that, that are sitting in a room talking with each other about the video game news and, uh, and impressions, they, they like to really focus heavily on the impressions. So if you're, if you're into that kind of thing and you want to kind of discover new things, then I de definitely uh, give them a try. They're over at 4PlayerNetwork.com. And I really hope that they like Destiny or they'll be hearing from me. <laughs> All right. I'm not Patrick on Twitter. I'm also not Patrick on Facebook. Uh, you can find me at both of those. You can also find this show at frenchspin.com. And you'll also find the Phileas Club over there, which is a show where I get people from different countries in the world. And we discuss uh, the news from the past month. And uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. It's actually enlightening if I dare say so myself. Um, it is also my birthday. So if you want to come oh, over birthday. on... Oh, thank you, Ed. Oh, you remembered. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Uh, if you want to come and wish me happy birthday, probably late because you're not going to be listening this to this immediately, uh, you can do so. Or, you know what? Let's institute uh, September 21st as Hug Day. And uh, for my birthday, you have to go hug someone you love. There you go. That's, that's a much nicer thing. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of, uh, not month, a couple of months, a couple of weeks. And until then, have an excellent time hugging people you love. Bye. I'm going to go buy a plane ticket to Paris so I can go hug Patrick. <laughs>